This contains misinformation. Welcome to episode 102 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, October 16th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where our intro music is different, but our attitudes, unfortunately, are still the same. And from America's left coast, where we feed the trolls because it entertains us. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, yeah, otherwise they'd starve too, and nobody wants that, but Fletcher of the hug story podcast sir john fletcher of no agenda fame came up with that intro for us i mean he was afraid people were too triggered by our old intro well, they for, should be for grumpy old bends and he sent me the music and i'm like you know what i can do i can still add a little bit of modem noise at the beginning and then add the little bit of the printer at the end and it's kind of mixing the old with the new but i really dig it it's it's a it's a very cool sound i mean the guy's so, very okay. talented uh, highlight the scream is amazing uh the the music is uh is a lot less triggering uh the modem noise is i guess our trademark so we have to put up with it uh the whole thing is about 25 seconds too long <laughs> you want it like five I've, seconds in, in total length you're gonna was... make me take a fucking bathroom break while you're playing the <laughs> opening music it's it just it's 40 seconds that's all so you think you're saying 25 seconds too long you want it to be 15 seconds like boom 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 in and out well, I want our fucking show to start without driving people away while they all go off and get a beer or something. No, they're supposed to go get a beer. They get a coffee, whatever it is. Get ready to relax. Get ready to hear some Bem rants. And what okay. we have is. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I always promise not to disagree with you on the podcasting aspect because you're the professional podcaster. But that's stupid. And I had to sweeten the uh, I had to sweeten the yell a little bit. I had to lengthen it a little. Uh, I mean, Fletcher came in a little short, but that's OK. Because you have the magic of audio and nobody would even know that I extended the bends a little bit. I don't think anyone's ever accused Fletcher of being short. I, I, that's totally up to him and the men, women or animals that he's dating. So anyways, yeah, um, I don't know if you want to get into it, but apparently we've all got our own personal trolls that uh, that we go after. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think I need it's a personal troll. I mean, they come and go. They're kind of like yeah. it's not like. You know, it's a pet that you keep around or anything. It's just something that uh, pops in. Oh, mine is. And pops out. Oh, you mean me? No, no. My personal troll was CSB. <laughs> oh, really? He's still going at you? Uh, no, he we we made it. He was, uh, I don't know. Uh, CSB was giving me shit. Like, well, Bemrose is not interesting because he you know, thinks that you know, he worked <laughs> at Microsoft and you didn't. So screw you. And I'm like, what? If, if you've ever listened to this show, you know that um, working at Microsoft was it was a thing that I did and I have experience and you have to talk from your experience. But um, I'm I'm not lording that over anyone like that, their culture is fundamentally broken. So, yes. but, you know, we we made up on it, at least until the next time that we annoy each other. Right. You exfiltrated yourself from Microsoft for a reason. Yes, I I wouldn't use that word because it's very verbose. But yes, that's. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Sorry to be. Using I left the, using the, but yes, you left. You I pulled the ejection handle. You felt that the, the culture around the company was a bit toxic. A bit. Yeah. That uh, they were going down a lot of wrong roads, but that is the tech world today. That is the social media world today. And that's what happens. And I mean, the trolls, I don't know. I mean, I get them every now and then. I mean, the one day I went back and forth with Big Loaf and it was that was it was a weird one because we had always gotten along well before that. So this was just kind of maybe everybody was having a bad day and everybody was being a little bitchy, myself included. And then it got resolved fairly quickly. The well, the, not the one with uh, with Leah Jump. Yeah, I don't even know how to say the name. I wasn't even going to attempt how to. I, I, it might be pronounced Lionhelm for all I know, but that's what I, somebody I'm, had mentioned in the. the I troll am insufficiently room. Nordic to be able to pronounce that, so it's Leon Jelm. And uh, but, yeah, I, <laughs> it was just a case of uh, you know in No Agenda Social, which is a much more sane version of Twitter for those who aren't on it, and it's mainly people from the no agenda community and you have a lot less of these kind of things going on but he and uh put himself into the csb and jeff and the little war that everybody had i guess that's what they want to call it when the dude that made all the bots jeff stopped showing csb stuff in the bots and i said well that's not fair and then progo who we just had on the other day he said that's not fair and sir spencer who's co-hosted one of these shows with us said you know that's not fair and a lot of people were like dude that's not fair and this dude decided to take jeff's side of it which i still don't even understand what the point was because he's like uh, mortal sin yes i guess you know and it's like i just <laughs> didn't really understand that and then he started name calling and then i blocked him which was fine i hadn't thought about it for ever after that and that was probably what a month and a half ago or something like that yeah. well th- this entire recent thing started with with uh, what was at least very clearly a joke to me. Yes. Uh, and I think a, a number of people who listen to Grumpy Old Ben's thought it was a joke. But even Dvorak was taken in by this one. Yes. And he called it a kerfuffle, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> uh, and it, it's because of the way social media yeah. is consumed. So you you posted an image of uh, and I don't know where you got it, but somebody had, I guess, photographed a Washington state ballot. Yes. Which had the governor and lieutenant governor spots. And in the image, you filled out Jay Inslee on the top and then on the for governor and then for lieutenant governor, you wrote in Ryan Bemrose. Yes. And that that is hilarious because I guarantee there's going to be an assassination attempt on that <laughs> ticket. And I don't know which direction it's going to go, but it, it, I mean, it would be it, so I laughed, but some people didn't get the joke. Yes. Some people. Some people are so triggered by Inslee that they can't even laugh at him. And, uh, you know, try being more like me where I get triggered by Inslee and I laugh at him. Yes, it's the only sane way to be. And they Dvorak posted to that like, oh, I've lost a lot of respect. In- Inslee's one of the worst. And it's like it was a meme. I mean, I'm, it's my account clearly states out of sight of Chirac. And I would think by now he knows. That well, Washington not, state is outside of Chirac. I guess it's just a little further than <laughs> yeah. I think people would put. But hey, that was cool. But I understand people see things like that. They just have a reaction. They don't really look at the minutia. And you pointed out Poe's law. And it was absolutely true that uh, if you're not clear when you're showing an extreme view for the purpose of comedy, if you're not totally and 100 percent clear 
somebody is going to take it seriously. And then this dude, Lion Helm, whatever his name is, jump back in and start crap talking me. And I didn't know because I had him blocked. I wouldn't have known except you who never comment on any of this stuff. We're like, hey, did you see this thread? They're really, somebody's really trashing you. <laughs> well, let, let it never be known that I don't start shit for the purpose of comedy. Right. So that I went and unblocked and then took a look and I'm just like, dude, screw off, man. You're the one that was like, he was making comments like, oh, I would have expected him to vote for Inslee. And it's like, and then he tries to come off like I'm stupid. It's like, well, you're so stupid. You don't even know I don't live in Washington. And that's been very clear. So, so from then on, the way it basically went was that this guy would post some meme image, which apparently he had a bottomless fucking well. Of yes. Them. I mean, this and is- then you would post just the words fuck off yes. over and over again. And, <laughs> and it was funny for like the first 30 or 40 <laughs> posts. And then I'm sitting here going, OK, we're shutting off the this we're we're just closing the tab we're not because jesus christ i came back several hours later and there were 60 fucking notifications in there because i happened to be tagged on every fucking one of these things so that's why i bring it up is i gotta bust your balls about the fact that you do not know when to quit because it's not funny anymore no you see because here's the thing with comedy it went from being funny to not being funny anymore because it was too much to it then being so much that it became funny again. That's that's the beauty of comedy. And I, <laughs> I seriously, because Jeff, who had also blocked me because I said, don't be mean to CSB. He's the guy that helped me with the bot that we have so I can press the one button to tweet and toot right before Grumpy Old Ben's comes on the air. So I have the technology to do a bot. I was opening the window to just write a bot that anytime that dude sent me any message whatsoever, just to respond with fuck off for eternity. And I would never even have to see it, which <laughs> I thought would be hilarious too. didn't do that. And uh, I, I, all I'm saying is you want a good way to get me to block you. <laughs> oh, wait, this is a possibility. This could be the exit um, strategy here. <laughs> You've been looking for one of those for a while. No, you're, 101 you're shows. So I guess the big story in everything this week was the New York Post article on Biden. Yeah. Um, But I don't care about that. I mean, okay, I'm just going to go with, uh, uh, first of all, uh, kind of uncool to go after someone's family, even if they're running for president. I get that everybody thinks that it's uh, it's valid, but, uh, you know, okay. Well, that's not the point here. He's running for president. I'm 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 just addressing the New York Post article right now. Yes. He is running for president. Uh therefore, it is assumed that he is corrupt. And if you <laughs> want to show me stories about Joe Biden's corruption, I'm cool with that. Well, this was. Okay, getting the job. Yeah, okay. But you want to I mean, do you want to describe what's going on or do we even care? I mean, what actually the minutia of what the deal is with the Hunter Biden laptop and what information was on there as far as how that happened and all of that. No, but the bottom line, because everybody I think that's interested in that already knows what happened, but this wasn't, this wasn't about just Hunter Biden. There was things on the the laptop, which clearly pointed to Joe Biden being a part of it, which is the only reason I agree with you that this was relevant to the presidential election. Yes. In fact, it was because it demonstrates that Joe Biden is corrupt. 
And anybody who didn't already know that because he's running for president, I'm just saying you're not paying attention. Right. But uh, although there was the delicious irony that he effectively did exactly the same thing that the House impeached Trump for back in January. Right. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, interfering in election interference and uh, quid pro quo in Ukraine. And uh, I don't know. Right. Collusion going. And the, the, there's actually a video of him talking, telling the story, saying, yeah, and I told them to get rid of this prosecutor. And then they did. You know, it's like, dude, I mean, this and the social media people are still like, no, it's a fake story. No, we can't have no, we You can't post it. It's a fake story. There's no proof. It's like, I mean, we have video of Joe talking about it. How much more proof do you want? I mean, I'm I, I, I don't know. Maybe a signed confession. <laughs> right okay that should be the new bar and that yeah. way nobody could ever post anything about trump anymore and nobody could post anything about biden <laughs> and the world would be better well the world would be better if if mainstream news would shut the hell up but the thing that turned this into a story that i actually care about on grumpy old ben's was the twitter censorship yes uh the and they new were york not post alone went out no, well uh, new york post wasn't alone in posting the story or no, I mean, Twitter wasn't alone in censoring. This was oh, on no. Facebook and this was, I mean, everywhere. It's well, Yeah, of course. All of the, the leftist social media was, in, you know, they, well, okay. By now we should realize that the moment one of them decides to take some kind of uh, a really sketchy move that shows off their bias, all the rest of them will jump on it immediately. We knew that when they started with, uh, uh, when Apple banned Alex Jones two years ago. Right. And suddenly everybody else was like, well, if they're doing it, then so will we. And right. jumped on the bandwagon within five minutes. Like we could do that. But, oh, awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, well, let's see. The timeline, I, as I understand it, is New York Post comes out with the account. Uh, a bunch of people start retweeting the article. Twitter decides that they want to do election interference. They banned the New York Post account. They started blocking all links to the article from the New York Post. Uh, other key things that got banned, presumably for retweeting the same story, uh, Kaylee McEnany's personal account banned, uh, the Team Trump official campaign account got banned. Um, you know, I, I mean, they by the end of it, they were going so far as to uh, block anybody who posted a link to the House Judiciary Committee's website. Yes, because they had posted the story there yes it was a dangerous the actual site for the set i mean for the uh for the house was coming up on twitter as a malicious site i i think that's a little too far well adam curry thinks that was a little too far too he was he was reporting this with glee right at the end of the broadcast yesterday and he's saying there we're finally going to see some movement on section 230 yeah and uh you know what this morning we have uh ajit pai the chairman of the fcc sent out uh, a notice that said we are going to start regulating social media yeah uh, and there's it, there's two different ways of looking at these things i mean we have the knee-jerk reaction including people like our buddy I thought that Cand- was the only way that most people looked at things including our buddy sir candinavian in the troll room who's like well it's simple don't sign up for twitter it's like well yeah that's great for a person but when the platform becomes the public square more or less 
you can't just hide your head in the sand and go, well, just don't sign up for any of these because these things have great effects. I mean, that is my advice to everybody listening. Yes, but that's not going to happen. And with that said, you have to. I can't be held responsible for your inability to follow my excellent advice. Nobody wants to follow that advice. Nobody does. But you have to have some kind of uh, ability to, you know, and again, normally not for control. But what do you do when the systems that everybody are using, everybody is using, everybody is, yeah, that uh, is totally skewed in one direction? I mean, do you not think I mean, the the left wants to cry that election interference was bad. As you said, we went through three years of a you know farce of an impeachment due to, you know, Russia interfered in our elections. It's like, well, you know, who's really interfering in our elections right now? Twitter, Facebook and all the rest of the social medias. But why aren't they worried about that? Well, because they're interfering in a way that they like. Well, that I mean, that would be the. Yeah. Buying a campaign ad is interfering in the election. I, it, it, you know, de- depending on how how widely you want to cast that net. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got another story um, about Twitter and uh, violating of Washington campaign laws. It's a very local thing, but uh, oh, do you do recently, you recently do you have a rant about that? No, not really. Uh, what? Okay, so. A uh, short version of that one is that uh, Twitter uh, very recently came to a settlement with uh, Attorney General Sideshow Bob Ferguson of Washington <laughs> State, and uh, they have decided that they are going to pay $100,000 to the state for violating the campaign laws. Washington has uh, a campaign law finance law that requires all spending on campaigns to be uh, publicly accessible or uh, visible, so records of it. The idea being that if anybody buys ads for a campaign in the state, that you can inspect those ads and find out who's, you know, who's paying for it, who, et cetera. And Twitter has not kept any of these records. And uh, according to the complaint, and these numbers are laughable for something, the scale of Twitter, um, candidates in Washington state have pe- reported paying over a, or almost $195,000 to Twitter. From 2012 until November 2019, when Twitter banned all political ads. And during that time, uh, $200,000. That's a drop in the bucket for Twitter, but okay. So in order to resolve this complaint, they have agreed to pay $100,000 back to the state. So cost of doing business, they're not really disincentivized from doing this anyway. No, no, not at all. And I mean, Twitter went down yesterday, too. Do you think this had anything to do with this threat about Section 230? I know Twitter said they changed no. something, which I'm just kind of curious if they implemented something. Uh, if I mean, Jack, for the first time in a while, seemed to be backtracking a little bit. This kind of seemed like a kid who, you know, if your parents just keep saying, you know, hey, don't make me come back there. Don't make me turn this car around. That there's finally, you know, the thing that your parents would say when you knew they were serious and then you would be like, oh, OK, no, I'll clean my room. That's kind of Jack's reaction yesterday was like, oh, wait, no, no, we didn't mean to do that. I, I my, my favorite comment was uh, I and I don't I didn't record who said this, but one of the House, uh, one of the or Senate Republicans saying, uh, see you soon, Jack. 
because <laughs> they are totally going to be subpoenaing him. Now, what is your take on the whole 230? Do you think that the United States government should have any control over these social media giants because of the fact that these are worldwide platforms? So, well, OK, uh, first of all, Section 230, uh, which is 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 called that because it is actually the 230th section in an incredibly huge piece of generally bad legislation known as the Communication Decency Act of 1994 sometime in the 90s um it was signed by bill clinton and the one section 230 is one of the parts that was pulled out of it is is was actually pretty good um i think it's responsible for the whole internet as it is um what section 230 does is it doesn't provide any criminal uh, a, a complaint it's not the basis for any kind of wrongdoing it actually provides immunity from uh, criminal and civil prosecution or torts for a provider that is completely neutral. And it is widely held as the reason why the modern internet can even exist because before that um, you couldn't have user generated content on your platform. If you were YouTube or uh, well, I mean, going back to the nineties, uh, what would that be? MySpace? Well, yeah, uh, AOL live or, journal, yeah. AOL, um, geo cities. No oh, geo cities. Yeah. So this was about the time when the internet, you know, the, the internet, which was probably the most democratizing uh, thing that has ever been invented by man uh that that enables such freedom of expression as we have never known in human history um uh, people were starting to bring forth the idea of i can put up a site and all of my users can bring things to it and people are creative people you know general people want to get out there and put their own stuff up and user generated content was taking off like a wildfire the other thing that was taking off like a wildfire back in the 90s when it was, you know, somebody would post something inflammatory or, you know, something that or just porn or something, um, which got, you know, the vice president Gore's wife all in a tizzy um, and people would immediately sue the platform and platforms were being sued out of existence because somebody posted something. And if you're. If you're hosting a BBS or a forum or something and someone comes in and posts, you know, uh, Trump is racist, then, well, OK, if they posted, you know, all lives matter, um, right. your entire platform could get shut down, if not for Section 230, because somebody posted something hateful. And so this was enabled to say, if you are a neutral platform then you are protected from liability and anybody who has issue with the porn that was posted, uh, they have to go after the person who posted it and they can't go after the platform. Right. Well, this was also good, not only just for the people that were doing things like bulletin boards and message boards, things like that, but anybody that wanted to be a web host. I mean, you know what? Amazon, how many different uh, companies they host material for. It would all come down to it's like, well, we don't I don't own the server. I mean, the servers for grumpy old Ben's and random thoughts and all that are with a company called MDD hosting that's out of Indiana. I mean, this is I, I we don't own that server. We rent that from somebody else. So this comes down to they would be responsible for the content that we post. That doesn't make sense. 
when you're renting out space to people on the internet. Did you hit the mute button? Do we have a Bemrose down? I think we caught him this time. He didn't didn't uh, quite understand how much time I was going to be talking for, I guess. Where's Ryan, everybody? Hey, Ryan went to the bathroom. He talked about that small bladder he has. It's okay. But with 2.30, I just don't know how you can have any control over any of the social media because they can simply just move where they are headquartered, where they're located, unless you're going to start geofencing and blocking people from leaving the United States with their data, which I don't think we're quite getting to which was the biggest issue even with the whole tiktok thing how do you well, keep- if you recall there there Welcome was a back fad. oh yeah yeah things happen <laughs> yes oh if, if you recall there was a fad uh back in the 90s where uh we didn't want to be able to export technology uh the big thing was if you recall when uh anything that you intended to use internationally you could not use more than 128 bit encryption right but how do you, I mean, when it comes down to the social media stuff, so say the United States, say the FCC comes down and says, well, what Twitter's doing right now, we think this violates section 230. Why doesn't Twitter just say, well, you know what? We're moving out of the United States. We're now based in all of our servers are in another country. What can the United States do? Do you, I mean, they can, I guess. Try well, to, I mean, they can go all TikTok on them and say you're not allowed to use this service in the U.S. anymore. They said that, but that still hasn't happened. The United States, as far as I know, hasn't actively blocked their citizens from uh, accessing any websites or services like it, that as of yet. Correct. As far as I know, uh, WeChat is completely banned and TikTok has a couple more weeks before the ban takes effect. So WeChat people can no longer use in the United States. This is the ISPs. Well, Do they have to actively block this or how does I that mean, work? Specifically, we talked about this on a previous grumpy old Ben's. I understand that we don't pay attention to each other. Well, but, I knew there was the threat. Uh, I didn't know they were actually enforcing this. I thought this was part of the TikTok. The, that they, I mean, there there is no enforcement that says you on your personal phone cannot launch WeChat. Uh, but what there is, is um, the and this was a Trump executive order. Take that with whatever force of law you decide it is. Uh, that ISPs and internet providers are not allowed to forward packets uh, to between WeChat apps and to the WeChat servers, which I guess means that they're supposed to be blocking. Practically speaking, I don't know if any of that blocking is happening, but I do know that um, if if there's a complaint that the Trump Justice Department will probably come out and say you know this is this is a violation and and we'll start slamming ISPs and service providers um there's nothing in that particular complaint that that affects or that there's no action in that in that executive order that can be taken against individual people uh just against service providers who facilitate access to these banned sites Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. Just looking at an article here on Reuters that said WeChat users will not face civil or criminal penalties, even if the United States bans the messaging app. So it's like, what's the point then? Um, uh, virtue signaling, mostly. Yes, and which means zero point really whatsoever, which so, I don't know. If, do, we, do you really believe at this point that the FCC can have any effect on these social media companies at all? Yes. 
Um, and it has to do with the same reason that Twitter doesn't just get up and leave the US. It is, uh, you know, for the same reason why it's completely retarded when somebody says, if you don't like what these laws that the tyranny of the majority is doing, you can just leave. And it's that, where are they going to go? Um, they're really, I mean, there's, there's nowhere else in the world that has, uh, has tort protections as effective as Section 230. Um, that, that I'm aware of and the troll room can fact check me and I'll ignore it. Uh, but there's the U S is still one of the most free places in the world for trying to create a business and, and become big. Uh, you know, if, if you go to Europe, you're going to have to deal with GDPR, for example, which is uh, a draconian. And I don't think we've even started to see just how much that's, going to stunt the eu tech startup industry i mean any more than the eu regulations have already done that um everywhere else you go in the world there is going to be some kind of regulations or something that that cause problems or or at least make it really hard to start up something like twitter um i'm not even saying that that the regulations aren't better but there are everywhere uh, maybe you could go to Antarctica or something. Maybe you could, you know, you could do like uh, a, a couple people have done and, and go get a derelict oil right. rig somewhere floating in the North Sea and then put server farms there. But eventually governments will look at this and go, you have freedom and we don't like that. And then they, you know, if, if you're subject to a government, then that government will come in and and send people with guns to tell you to stop. And if you're not associated with a government, then they might just send the military first. Well, and isn't a really big problem with what's going on right now. The fact that there is absolutely nothing consequential that can be done in the next three weeks to change the way these social media companies are doing business. And once the election's over, I don't think they care to, you know, they can go, okay, now we'll comply because the end result is once election day is, they're everything they're fighting for right now, everything that they are hiding evidence of the Bidens, anything that they're pushing lies on the President Trump and a variety of mixture of all those for both candidates. Once that's over, then this becomes a different ball game. So this is kind of a, a no win situation for people that are on the on the Donald Trump train at this point. Uh, OK, well, let's let's take the hypothetical. First of all. The huge hypothetical that the election will go off without a hitch. Well, do you think? Um, yeah, no, I probably not. <laughs> there'll, there'll probably be uh, at least but, one. But uh, uh, un, under the assumption that Trump does not get reelected and that Biden is the incoming president, what that does, Trump will still remember uh, Trump is still president until January. Right. And that's three months that that gives three months to. I mean, yeah, okay. A, a Biden administration can come in and reverse everything immediately, but in three months, I still think he could do a lot of damage if if that was really the way they wanted to go. That's true. Uh, yeah, there's a certain amount. That, I mean, especially now that we know executive orders can't be can't be uh, removed. Yeah, and with the Supreme Court's decision that executive orders can't be overturned for two years, Trump can sign a lot of crap in the next three months. That. Biden would not be able to overturn for two years. And if if you think that 
that they can't do a lot of damage to Twitter, Facebook, Google, whatever with executive orders in the next three months. Um, I, I, I think they're counting on, you know, there, there's still the, the, the realm of what people can do is still much greater than the realm of what people are doing. And it's why we keep getting example after example of, of, I can't believe they did that, but it's totally legal. Uh, right. I mean, there's shit like stacking the courts. There's shit like uh, trying to win an election by stirring up your followers into burning down cities. Right. These are things that were just not done before. And I guess you can do them. And if the ends justify the means, which is how our political climate is moving, uh, you know, if if we have Biden, who's not even willing to answer questions about whether or not he's going to put 30 people in the Supreme Court, do you think that there's any chance that Trump wouldn't just executive order the existence out of fucking Facebook or Twitter? Be like, this company is now illegal. Nobody's allowed to ever have any contact with it. It, it could happen. I don't think it'll happen, but there's a lot of things that happened in 2020 that I didn't think would happen. You're not wrong about that. And I will say for anybody, because this feels very dimension A and dimension B, where you look at this and go, I can't believe that the people on the other side of whatever the political spectrum you may be on is, because I think it's the same on both sides, that you just can't believe that the people on the other side are having the viewpoints that they have. I mean, it, it becomes a point where, I mean, I fall into it all the time because the stuff that I think the left wants, I think is absolutely nuts. But the concept that the left is not looking to totally, one, mess with the election, and two, the viewpoint that they have of Trump supporters. Now, I understand. One guy does not speak for a whole movement or anything like that. If there's one thing yeah. you've taught us, I, I, w- I was about to push the fallacy of stereotyping out onto the four. So, but right. Yeah. I was just going to say, if, if there's one thing that Bemrose has taught us is that you shouldn't try to lump everybody together. But you look at somebody like Keith Olbermann, who works for a major company, you know, Disney with ESPN that was allowed to go on the air and say that Trump supporters should literally be arrested and thrown in jail and not allowed to participate in the society as they build it back better. That is scary stuff to me. That is. There's also the the question of how much there's a lot of shit being tossed about even in the media today, which is in fact, legally actionable, uh, you know, for, for better or worse. And I, I tend to believe they're worse. Uh, the rights around freedom of speech in the United States, uh, there is plenty of precedent where there are limits to freedom of speech. And I don't think there should be. But as long as we have the precedent that there is, there's things like libel, uh, like inciting violence. There's things that are not protected speech in the United States. And I think that if uh, a sufficiently um, motivated lawyer were interested they you know uh um what was lynn wood uh the in the nick sandman versus cnn case right is a fine example there are a lot of of claims being tossed around by people in media today which are not covered by first amendment uh being primarily uh you know slander libel uh acts of violence uh you know i 
I hate that I even have to call out the mainstream media for promoting violence against people, but that has happened when, you know, when you've got, you know, commentators and big news programs saying, you know, if Trump wins again, then we, you know, Democrats should get out in the street and, and burn, you know, riot some more like, okay, well, that's actually inciting violence and is actually not protected by the First Amendment, according to Supreme Court precedent. Right. Well, yeah, because you're not even doing it to they've been going under the guise of that. The rioting and looting was due to these massive injustices. Well, this just shows you how quickly the bar is moving and we can make the argument, even the thing with the George Floyd thing, that it seems like he may have died of a drug overdose. But let's forget that. Let's just assume that in the George Floyd case, the cops intellectual consistency has not been something that well that exists in in some of these new leftist ideologies like uh, wokeism. No, because, I mean, let's just assume for a minute that the cop did. There's no question about it. The cop killed George Floyd. Okay, well, that's a bar I can understand being pissed off about that. If something gets over this bar where they just kill a guy, I understand that. Now, you're lowering the bar to if our guy loses the election, let's go do the same thing. That's not the same thing. That is not anywhere near in the ballpark of a an election result being that you don't like that is, you know, it's unfathomable that people are being allowed to say this on CNN and MSNBC. If if I may help you fathom it just a little bit, (laughs) uh, many, many of the people uh, uh, on in the Biden supporter camp have been led to believe by a number of sources. Uh, which I, I would consider to be societal corrupting sources, but whatever, uh, have been led to believe that if Trump gets reelected, he will kill them. Right. Well, that was going to happen been four told. years ago. Well, it was going to happen four years ago, and and some of them are dead. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were gonna, World War Three. Remember, World War Three was going to start. He was going to crash well, the rem- economy. You know, 200,000 people have died this year because Trump murdered them with COVID. Wow. How many people normally die in a year? I don't know. Probably less than that. I don't think so. But, you know, actually, 2020, let's look at the bright side on on the plus side. Grumpy old Ben's is here. Nobody in America has died of old age since March. That's true. Not one person. Not one. That is amazing. It is. Hallelujah. Praise Trump. He no, has, nobody has nobody has died of of you know car crash fatalities are down to zero. Nobody has died of heart disease. Nobody has died of anything but COVID since March, and that's remarkable. That's because they're all in their homes alone, and we don't know they're dead. <laughs> that might be. So yeah, um, Trump issued the executive order on the twenty eighth of May that said uh, all or you know that we need. Proposed legislation to reform Section 230 um, and that the um, agencies like the FCC need to need to start figuring out how they're going to enforce the, you know, the uh, good, good faith is effectively what he called it. Um, It it is interesting that Ajit Pai decided that today of all times was the, the right time to start enforcing that. Uh, but I think we pretty much have covered why. 
Well, uh, rightfully so. I mean, this is just the first warning shot, I think, to these companies. And again, I don't really know where this is going to go. I don't know. This isn't as easy as it was when the FCC was in charge, and they still are, of radio and television stations in the United States. Because, you know, we know there's decency issues for broadcast television and for broadcast radio. I mean, we had talked about that. Yeah, well, a little where bit. are those this year or there's, the last five? I mean, they're still there. I mean, when we were doing the No Agenda show edits for our buddy that owns WCKG here in Chicago, I mean, he wanted the word douchebag censored out because he said anybody yeah. that complains can ding them. If somebody complains about the content, oh, yeah, you can get dinged. Now, yes, the, this, the FCC caters to Karen's. Yes, but none of this applies to cable television, which is why HBO can do whatever the hell they want. This is why Netflix can have cuties, which isn't even that bad of a movie when it comes down to it. But Netflix can show a lot worse than cuties and not really be uh, legally responsible for much because they're not no. covered by the FCC. Netflix is being regulated the way that free markets should be regulated, which is when they put out direct like cuties, a lot of people overreact and cancel their subscription. Yeah. And that is a signal to Netflix where. Apparently, Netflix is down like 10 percent just over the cuties thing or something crazy. Yeah, which is I, I mean, don't have again, any numbers to back that up. But well, that's because there's a lot of people that believe the hype, no matter which side it's on. And there's getting good information is nearly impossible. But I just don't understand what can really be done as far as the FCC goes, because, you know, I can roll up a Mastodon or Pleroma instance for my own little social media network. And I can have that hosted on a box in Panama and I can have whatever crazy shit I want on that box. And the United States, the FCC can't do anything to me. Everybody in the United States can access that social network. You know, I don't know how the FCC plans on dealing with this because it's not just dealing with American companies. Well, understand that like every like every governmental and federal program or agency it's going to be heavy-handed and largely ineffectual but it will have an effect so i don't I, I the idea that anything in broadcast has standards kind of goes out the window with me when uh if if you drop the word shit on your broadcast you can be fined and yet um they they are totally okay with some of the shit uh, that I, I don't know. I, I try saying the words "all lives matter" on right. uh, on TV and and see what happens. Well, then you would obviously be a hateful person that is racist, and you're uh, probably homophobic too. You're definitely xenophobic. You got a lot of phobics going on, is what you would and, have. Uh, you know, in terms of actual objectionable material, uh, there's always been the contradiction with the FCC, even where it's totally okay. To show graphic violence and blood spurting out of somebody's chest, and yet it's not okay to react to it with an f bomb. Yeah, that makes sense, right? No, it really doesn't. And every everybody in every country in the world, other than the U.S., looked at this and was like, "Yeah, U.S. television is really screwed up because you can you can't swear or and you can't be nude, but you can murder people on graphically." Now. Personally, again, uh, a free speech enthusiast, I kind of think it should all be allowed and that the FCC 
enforcing the the seven dirty words or whatever is completely ridiculous and an uh, you know a, an artifact of of a past time when the the puritan values of the country whatever they may be are have have crept into government and and should be excised i think that uh you know freedom of speech should be freedom of speech and not freedom of speech except when some government agency decides you shouldn't be able to swear but i digress a little bit well and with the social media it comes down to they all have people that decide what can be and what can't be posted they believe they're within their rights to do so but this is what the whole 230 question comes down to then do they have the right the you know twitter do they have the right to hide everything negative against biden highlight everything negative against trump and go but no no we're we, we're protected because we're not a publisher that's where the question comes and obviously well, jack and twitter thinks they are covered by this fcc thing but uh it's going to be well, an interesting coincidentally, battle coincidentally i went out and read and and there will be a link in the show notes the draft legislation put forth by the department of justice in response to trump's demand that uh or his executive order that there be good faith sections added to the section 230 so this is material uh, added to the existing section 230 yes um yeah added, mostly added some changed um so section 230 the the big loophole that has been in section 230 forever and the way that twitter facebook at all get away with their censorship of uh, and and curation of, of political opinion is the section 230 says any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access or availability of material that the provider or user finds to be obscene lewd lascivious filthy excessively violent harassing uh whether or not such material is constitutionally protected those are pretty big call outs that say uh yeah it's okay it's okay to filter these categories and, you know, obscene, lewd, lasciviousness. Again, um, I, I don't agree with the religion, the Puritan religion that, that breaks into government all the time. I think that that sort of thing should not be uh, carved out as, as the government is okay with it being illegal, but section 230 does not protect any, or does protect people as long as they are filtering out this stuff. And so if you filter porn from your service, you are not liable for the filtering. Um, then let's see, filthy, excessively violent. Okay, that you, those are good. Um, and then we get to things like harassing, which is if you've probably paid attention, the term harassment has been expanded to become anything anybody might ever be offended by. And as we've learned on this show <laughs> in the past, the the choice of whether or not to become offended is not the decision to be made by the person doing the offending. It's the decision, you know, deciding whether or not to become offended is entirely up to the fragility of the person on the receiving end, which means I can choose to be offended by anything I want. And then that's harassment. So that section is a wide open door that says, as long as you have a policy, you can just decide that something is harassment or not. That is the wide open door that these new changes want to ch uh, to fix or or modify so um what the draft legislation effectively does is it adds 
carve outs to where protection does not apply to entities that are trying to sorry entities that are trying to get section 230 protection these are carve outs where the protections do not apply there is the bad samaritan carve out where if a service provider acted purposefully to put stuff up um i'm not sure exactly how that's interpreted but um which is a lot of the problem with all of this stuff it's yeah yeah interpretation <laughs> a lot of this is open for interpretation um let's see if at the time the facts giving rise to the prosecution or action the service provider acted purposefully and with the conscious object object to promote solicit or facilitate material or activity by another information content provider which i think means that if somebody puts up something that that has one of these carve outs like hate speech or or whatever we'll, we'll get to the the carve outs later um but if somebody puts up something that is bad and the if twitter decides to feature it and put it on the the featured list and does that sell the thing yes in front well, of everybody yes then, which is what that is i found was the most egregious when it came to this hunter biden story i even tweeted about it which of course you're not on twitter so you wouldn't have seen it but they have a little section and when you go because I, I use it on the web i don't know i don't use their apps i believe it exists in the apps too they have like a little what's happening part of the they want to give you news which i yeah. remember bitching about this when it first happened because you're not a news organization so at the very least once you're deciding what is important news, then you are becoming a you're not just being someplace where people can post stuff. You are becoming a publisher. There is absolutely yeah. no doubt about it. So under this draft legislation, that is no longer covered. If if Rob Reiner posts, you know, that he recommends that everybody try to kill President Trump which is not far off from the shit that he's already posted. And he's got a blue fucking check Mark. Uh, if he posts that and Twitter highlights it and says, this is the most important thing you need to read today. Um, they were still covered under section two thirty because Rob Reiner's the one who posted in and not Twitter. Well, now if Twitter takes the affirmative step under the new legislation proposal, if Twitter takes the affirmative step to promote it, then they are be they are said to be a bad Samaritan and therefore no longer covered by 230. Right. So a, a now, lot of the stuff in this legislation is, is kind of along that is if you do this, you're no longer protected. Right. Now, the example I was going to give was and I just pulled this up. The what's happening, the hot news, which was up for over 24 hours, which is very rare with Twitter, unless it's a major story, because news is constantly in flux. Usually those stories in the what's happening. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't help but think of the theme and the show of what's happening, you know, rerun and Raj and all that. But with that said, the thing that they had posted for over 24 hours was politics. Joe Biden did not push out a Ukrainian prosecutor for investigating his son. The Washington Post confirms. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> like, sure under any any normal person would consider that to be editorializing. But yeah, yeah. And well, one, it's like, but this was happening for a very specific reason, because this was the Hunter Biden story was what they were blocking everybody on Twitter. So not only were they blocking people talking about the Washington uh, or the New York Post story about the Hunter Biden laptop, not only were they suppressing that at the same time. And there's only what, 
five, five stories at a time that they have highlighted. It looks like unless this changes right now, there are five. One of them was Joe Biden did not push out a Ukrainian prosecutor. And, and in the interest of equality to both political opinions, they also have the New York Post article highlighted and featured, right? No, no, they didn't. They actually, wow. if, you were to, if you were to post a link to it, they were blocking your account. Yeah. I, how do they even get away with? Oh, anyways. Right. Uh, okay. Question. So let's see. I, I'm, I'm going to charge through uh, the draft legislation. They have a carve out for criminal conduct, uh, which is to say if something criminal happens on your platform and you have knowledge and fail to remove it, you no longer get Section 230. Not a huge fan of that one, but that's mostly because we have too damn many laws and way too much of normal human activity is considered criminal. Yes. And uh, where? I mean, this is also we've talked about with the federal system that we have in the United States. There are still some states, I'm sure, where it's illegal to say some things that it wouldn't be. in. The, let's just say there's a state. Let's say it's Illinois that makes it illegal to say, you know, Lori Lightfoot sucks. They made a law. They say you can't say that. Well, you yeah. can say it in the other 49 that, states. That law is unconstitutional, by the way. Yes. But, but but that doesn't really stop lawmakers from passing bad laws. No, does it? No. And that's the question. Like, whose laws are you following? Because Twitter, Facebook, all these things are worldwide. Well, I yeah, I have I have a point about any big company who's like, we're a gigantic multinational company worth billions. And it's way too hard to follow 50 different sets of laws. And therefore, we have to have a federal law for that. Well, OK, you know what? If you're a big multinational corporation with billions of dollars, you can figure out how to follow 50 sets of laws. Well, you geofence it because there's no other way that people from, let's just say, the UK and the United States can use the same platform and because they don't have to abide by the same laws um i mean that's that is one way of addressing the problem or at least attempting to it doesn't work but at right. least you can say you're attempting to address it right uh so let's see there is also a carve out for uh judicial decisions if uh and this this one i i can almost see if if there is a judge that says that something is defamatory uh the provider can be ordered to take it down that happens today but if the provider doesn't take it down, they're covered by Section 230, and this is being removed. So, and, yeah, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I can see it. I, I, let's see. So, um, let's see. An international or an interactive pro- computer service provider shall make available to the public without expense an easily and accessible and apparent mechanism for notifying the provider of defamatory and unlawful material. So, there. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, by the, the, report the, the, without this expense, post. I think, is. Okay, so um, there's uh, a a number of new classifications of things for which there is now no 230 protection. This I'm not sure about. uh, So there is now, according to this, zero Section 230 protection at all for any uh, enforcement of anti-terrorism laws, child sex abuse laws. Won't somebody please think of the children? Cyber stalking laws. And antitrust laws. Every one of those categories, except possibly antitrust, has been interpreted way too broadly. And I feel like this right here kind of guts all of Section 230 if some agency decides to. Because what it means is if some three letter agency comes to Facebook or Twitter and says, We're investigating this person for terrorism then you have no Section 230 protection whatsoever 
immediately because it's an anti-terrorism law. I'm not behind that. I'm, uh, especially, you know, and child sex abuse. Uh, hello. Any, any image of, of somebody who is just visible. Oh, I, it, it, you know, okay. You look like you're under 30. That might be child sex. You get no protection. I, I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't like the idea that they're taking entire classifications of way over broad laws and well, trying to, this is only happening because of the fact that these platforms are silencing certain people. I mean, this comes down to the fact, again, where it should just be everything is OK. You can have people post uh, whatever they want. And then, I mean, there has to be some limits, maybe. But the, the, yeah, the but putting in a specific carve out that says nothing in Section 230 applies to you if we want to enforce an anti-terrorism law against you, that feels very bill bar yeah i don't really I, know how that would work well, although i don't I, know how any of this would work i don't know i i'm just i'm a huge uh, i'm i'm not a fan of of carving out large chunks of laws and saying uh you know if we decide that we want to call this terrorism or call this child sex abuse or call this cyber stalking that you immediately have no choice but to bend over anyways um let's see it uh uh, two other, the last two things. One is there's a clarification that a person is a provider uh, if you quote solicit, comment upon, fund, or affirmatively and substantively contribute to, modify, or alter information provided by any person or any entity. Which means that if you do anything other than post it as is, as the person submitted it, if you so much as change a comma in somebody's comment. You're now considered to be the publisher. Feel like that goes a little overboard too. No, and but then, I think that makes more sense. Which is, you're either just the guy that runs the server, and what's going on is beyond your control. The minute you start taking any control, even in the very minutia of somebody's posts, you are now a publisher because you're editing, you're changing. Doesn't matter how I little. Can, I can, you know what? I can see where you're coming from on that, and it does make sense from a. Uh, 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 an absolutist perspective and I, I can get behind an absolutist perspective. So maybe that's right. I just, that's going to be abused, I guess is what I'm saying. Somebody is going there. They'll be like, you changed the font on this forum comment and therefore <laughs> you're liable and someone's going to get sued over it. And I don't know this, this, but comments like that is one of the reasons why, uh, for example, in the show notes, I've got a, a link to a Brookings uh, Institute commentary which absolutely it yeah well it's it's my comment is it's it's slanted but not unreadable because they definitely come out on the orange man bad side and try to push everything on trump uh and then but call out a number of legitimate problems with this for example that practically speaking when people will sue each other for anything they can find putting in vague shit like uh if you modified uh the font it is going to get someone sued and maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. But does changing the font change the content? I mean, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I guess if you're getting down to uh, crazy somebody's going to argue that. Yeah, I guess. You I don't be, know. I posted it I, as black text and you posted it as really dark gray. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, I posted <laughs> it as an inflammatory statement. And you put a blue check mark next to it. I mean, this is interesting stuff when it goes back to I remember back in the days of running a bulletin board system for a major country artist and this is when this stuff was just starting but they didn't want 
profanity on the message board. So, of course, that was one of the rules. Hey, no profanity. But we also did the very simplistic thing because the bulletin boards had these things built in, which you went in and went like, okay, if somebody types in F-U-C-K, change that to, you know, dash, 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 dash or whatever. But that was technically changing the content as provided. So it is, you know, and and under under the original Section 230, that was actually fell under the the uh, um, was it profanity uh, prurient. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So that was okay. Fell under one of the exceptions and therefore was okay. Uh, And that that section is still in here, which means it's all right. Well, Uh, right. Because, you know, okay. With this technology now, somebody, you know, if you have an orange man bad, you know, site, somebody comes in and actually types in Trump. You're just changing that to orange asshole. Yeah. Or or if somebody puts in all lives matter and you change it automatically to I'm a racist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then i mean that well actually that could be considered harassment which yes. is one of the reasons 230 had so many holes yeah but uh okay so here's the real meat of it and i i shouldn't i keep saving things like this for last but this is the really interesting part because and and i also think this is pretty righteous uh this is the definition of what it means to be in good faith and remember the the original section 230 said uh you are allowed to filter as long as you filter in good faith. But the original section 230 never particularly described what it meant to be in good faith. And so I think it's righteous to add this. But at the same time, this is the section that has every unapologetic proponent of Twitter and Facebook filtering losing their minds. So I'm definitely going to read through this. Um, In order to be in good faith, you must do the following things. You must have publicly available a terms of service that state plainly and with particularity your content moderation policy. That makes sense. Yeah, that seems pretty reasonable. Um, But almost every terms of service out there would need to be rewritten because most of them say things like uh, we reserve the right to filter any content that we decide we don't like something to that effect. And uh, that doesn't work anymore. State plainly and with particularity. What you know, that would mean uh, it, the content has to be like this. Okay. Um, in order to have good faith, the provider must restrict access to the things that they say that they block. In other words, if you say you don't allow hate speech, you have to block hate speech. And that right there is where Twitter's going to fall over because if they say, because it's all we hate don't allow, speech, <laughs> yeah, because all of Twitter is hate speech. <laughs> But if they say we don't allow hate speech because they want to filter out anything Trump says, then they also have to filter out everything all the blue check marks say. Right. Um, but, you know, only they, one side commits hate speech. Yeah, they must not restrict access on deceptive or pretextual grounds. And uh, that one is, again, a little bit subjective and I hate subjectivity in laws. Um, but it says or apply its terms of service to or to uh, or apply its terms of service to restrict access to or availability of material that is similarly situated to material that the provider intentionally declines to restrict. So that one's a little more specific if and it's the opposite of the must restrict access. It is if you chose to leave a Rob Briner tweet saying the president must die, you must also leave uh, a a right-wing tweet that says Rob Reiner must die. 
Seems fair. Again, that's kind of a fairness thing. And people and uh, people who are proponents of of filtering on these services are losing their minds over shit like this. But that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they uh, want people to be mean to the people they don't like, but they want them to be nice to the people they like. And then here is the onerous one, the one that actually puts some real restrictions or, or you know, real affirmative effort necessary. Um, a provider must give notice describing with particularity the reasonable factual basis for a restriction. Um, what that means is that Twitter is no longer allowed to ban your account and say, uh, we we blocked this account because you violated our terms of service or to block a tweet saying this contains misinformation. They must describe with, you know, a reasonable factual basis with particularity, which again, well, I don't know what that means precisely, but the intent I suspect is to say, uh, we blocked this tweet because it contains misinformation and here is the correct information or something. You know, correct. That, that's probably the, but uh, you know, saying you saying your account has been banned for violating our terms of service is no longer going to work. It will have to say your account has been banned because this post that you made violated this aspect of the terms of service. And here's the wording you said, which was problematic. Right. Well, the problem with that, though, as we all know, on grumpy old Ben's is somebody could post something that said, well, this meteorologist said global warming's bullshit. And they're like, no, no, no. The WHO, they said uh, that was real or whoever. And then it's like, well, no, this guy says no. I mean, who who I, gets to decide then? When it comes to the the disinformation is going to be the hardest thing to deal with. Well, the, ultimately, a judge when somebody gets sued right, is yeah. the one who gets to decide. But, um, you know, practically speaking, Twitter gets to interpret that. But it, it the the one win that I see from that is the idea that getting your entire account banned and they just say you violated our terms of service, which is uh, Twitter, not so much, but is the bane of everybody on youtube whenever youtube does something they say you know you got a copyright strike i'm like okay well you're actually gonna have to tell me exactly what was copyrighted why you think i violated it and who 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 is i don't know wait you don't like the super secret copyright strikes that policy i i I don't (laughs) But I don't like YouTube either. No, well, I can understand why our buddy Blitzed was mentioning there was another big purge. There's a lot of people getting uh, kicked off the YouTubes again. No, I mean, that's not connected at all with the fact that there's an election in less than three weeks. No, no not no, at all. That, yeah. The the incredible step up in in censorship by uh-huh. these so-called public platforms. Yeah. Yep. Not connected. So now that I've described the awesomeness that is, they have to tell you precisely why you were banned. I also have to give the except if law enforcement asks them not to tell you why you were banned. <laughs> yeah, or due to an ongoing. You also don't have to give notice if the provider, quote, reasonably believes that the material relates to terrorism. I so mean, again, I get it. Carve outs for the war on terror. Yeah, well, I mean, I get it. It comes down to if you need them to uh, if there's a serious crime you believe is going to be committed, I get it for a certain period of time. I, I get the rationale, but every time that you build carve outs the size of a truck, oh, yeah. people are going to start driving trucks through it and you've gutted the law. Well, the carve outs are already so big and so just not 
specific enough that none of this is going to help, especially since I don't even I don't even really believe that these companies fall under the jurisdiction of the FCC. And that's going to be the first thing that has to be figured out, because I don't know if you can say that these companies fall under the FCC. I know I keep saying that, but that's where it keeps going back to for me, which is you can do this, but I don't Well, the the section 230 uh, stuff is it it has nothing to do with the FCC, particularly it is section 230 is all about an immunity from uh, criminal prosecution and from civil torts. And it, it just describes places where you have immunity, um, which, which is independent of the FCC, because any agency that decides it has jurisdiction over you can bring a criminal prosecution. Well, I guess that has to be justice. But, uh, you know, any agency could bring a civil tort uh, lawsuit or or any individual person in just civil court can say you violated my rights and sue one of these platforms. And, you know, some sufficiently motivated lawyer can get together and create a class action based on everybody who's ever gotten a copyright strike on YouTube. Right. And this is describing that Section 230 is no longer a defense against things like that. Interesting. Then maybe it will have some teeth. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, never underestimate the willingness of some American lawyer to bring a lawsuit for anything. No, I agree with that. And it'll certainly get tested out. But again, we are on a time crunch right now for the election cycle. And it's interesting because I'm not really sure. I go back and forth on how much I really think the social media platforms have an actual effect on the results of these elections that have happened well, since the social media has been around. I heard that $80,000 ad buy on Facebook <laughs> can swing an election. Yeah. I mean, the Russians did that last time in uh, 2016. Of course, we didn't hear uh, that it was uh, Hillary Clinton that ginned up this whole lie that Biden knew about, Obama knew about, the FBI knew about. Nobody decided to, uh, to fess up to it. Yeah, that's actually a really, really huge story. Yes. That uh, if if the if the political parties of the people involved were reversed, then it would be the only thing we'd see in the news for the last three weeks. But you're hearing nothing because the news, of course, suppresses anything that impacts the left. But uh, that's actually really huge. And I've kind of avoided wanting to talk about it on this show because it's more pure politics and why I prefer where politics intersects tech. But man that it's something that needs more talking about everywhere yeah it's you know political corruption at the highest levels of government yeah that people should be aware of these things before they go to vote with the media coverage i i do believe and you can tell me what your viewpoint on this when it comes down to the mainstream media and social media is two different things i still believe are they well not they're intertwined and we yeah. know the mainstream the, media the line keeps blurring. Yeah. Well, we know the mainstream media people use the social media, which is also kind of a weird thing. But if you were to break those two things up and just say, well, social media, let's set that on its own. Mainstream media, let's set that on its own. Which one has a bigger effect on an election in the United States today? I still say the mainstream media more than social media. Maybe I'm wrong because I do believe people understand social media is any whack job with a computer connection or a bot. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who's posting the stuff. 
And I think that the social media, no matter which side you're on, is merely an echo chamber. I think there are less people swayed by social media. And I think there are more, even though maybe not a lot, but I still think there are people that tune into the mainstream media who are unaware of the fact that they're completely biased and take what they're saying a little bit more seriously. Do you think that's correct or is that off? Totally? I, I wouldn't venture to enumerate the comparison. I don't know which is necessarily more impactful. And I think that that if you break it down by demographics, it's a lot easier to describe. For example, uh, young people, people in their 30s and below pretty much don't watch TV ever and only get their news from social media. They watch it on their um, phone. Yeah. People who are boomers, um, people in the in the 60 plus probably get a lot more news from TV. I don't know if TV is the right thing, but uh, if, I mean, newspapers are pretty much um, not really a huge thing anymore. Uh, your your local paper maybe, but I don't. Not many people anymore, especially not younger people, will go out and read a physical paper, at least not compared to the, what they used to. Right. I don't know. I it. I think if you break it down by media, by age group, then then you can start to address it. But whether or not the whole thing, don't know. I do know, and I will assert that both of them are still important. Important. <laughs> that's very important. You got to do the up talk. Was talking about that. Uh... And with uh, Justin and uh, the, the uh, no agenda jitsi room the other day. Um, but I, I don't trust anybody that is younger than me. So, I mean, if I see you on the news and it's like younger, no, it's got to go. Wait, I'm younger than you. And I don't trust you. Uh, oh. I, I trust Bill O'Reilly and he's older. So I'll, he'll give him a, there's there's nobody left doing journalism. It's well, except Bill. I like Bill's show. It, it, you know, I, I get all my news from analysts. Uh, I was actually uh, mentioning this in in the show in the troll room yesterday on no agenda is I have completely and grumpy old Ben's has brought me back a little bit, but I have almost completely disconnected from news stories anymore. Um, I, I don't, I don't watch a news program. I don't read a news site for the purpose of finding stories. If a story is important, it will pop up on no agenda or it will pop up on my uh, no agenda social feed or it'll come up on grumpy old Ben's. If a story is important, then I will get it. I, I will learn about it through social media. Then if it's both important and interesting, I will do my own research. And that is where I will go to the mainstream news sites, to the, the blog sites, to what, whatever journalism sources. I don't subject myself to journalism in, or maybe this is the editorialism. Um, I don't subject myself to the feed, whatever form that takes of what stories they think I should pay attention to. When I want to learn about a story, I go search out a story and that's where I go to journalists. But otherwise um, for the curation, I still kind of pick who, who curates the content. And that is, you know, if it's important, I'll see it on an AS or I'll see it on no agenda or uh, the no agenda show, or I'll see it on uh, you'll mention it or I don't know. Is that weird? Am I, am I strange? No, I think that is the way a lot of people are going and rightfully so it is because the mainstream media across every genre now is a shit show. I mean, the one thing I'll say since we have merged going from our evergreen shows into more of a, a news show, a current events focusing on tech. 
I mean, I've always kept up with tech, but my reading of the stories on tech things now has grown probably tenfold since before we made this, you know, switch over to the current format that we're in. And I was totally oblivious, unaware, or maybe it just keeps getting worse to the fact that almost every tech story, which should have no politics in it whatsoever, is still now just grossly political quite often. I think that's a symptom of the Trump era. It may be. It it is. I I have noticed because I. I, I do only read the text of specific articles. Um, I have noticed a lot more political bias seeping into everything. It's actually really hard to get away from it. I, I almost feel bad for those people who don't want to think about politics because, right. you know, screw you guys. It's being shoved in your face 24 seven these days. Right. You're reading uh, a news. Uh, you know, you're reading a news story about a new Android spyware app. And then there's they're taking a swipe at Trump. Yeah. Like what? What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Uh, I, I was going to add on that one of the reasons why um, you, you should not get the list, you, you, you should probably still get the specifics of a given story. If, you know, if I want to know about this story, go get it from a journalist because your, your, you know, analysts get it from journalists too. If you want to know information about something, you probably have to go there. Uh, but the thing that I would divorce from journalism you know, journalism is people going, finding out about a thing and then researching that thing. Uh, but every news outlet that does produces journalism for the last 60 years has also done editorialism, which is the source of most of their bias. And the most common source of bias in every form of media is their selection of what stories to put in front of you. And in you know, in the case of a news story or a, a you know a news hour show on TV, it's what stories do they cover, and what stories do they put on the air. In the case of a newspaper, it's uh, what do they put on the front page versus putting it on page thirty, and that is a place where you can definitely avoid uh, avoid bias by not using their algorithms, whatever that happens to be, their curation for deciding what stories are interesting. Decide on your own from social media, from wherever, what stories are interesting to you, and then go specifically find out about those stories. You're going to receive a lot less bias just from that alone, because the number one source of, of news bias in, I mean, this for, for long before the Trump thing is just deciding what stories they want to put in front of you. Right. Well, yeah, that we're seeing that with the Hunter Biden thing, which is where they want it or if they don't want it seen at all. And it's hard to know what bias, if any, that the source you're looking at has, because even places, it's it's not that hard these days. If somebody's talking about a new processor and explains that Trump has decided to. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. If that is coming into the tech news. Yes. Uh, But O'Reilly has mentioned a few times that the Wall Street Journal, their news coverage is decently slanted to the liberal side of things but oddly enough their opinion page the editors that run the opinion page are conservative leaning so it's a weird mix mash where are, are, are they actually conservative leaning or are they just a little bit farther to the right of the newsroom who tend to be you know somewhere far to the left of Karl marx well that somebody would have to do a full you know 
look at it and see. According to O'Reilly, they are actually conservative leaning, which is okay. a weird thing. Because if somebody would, you know, you can't in this case go, well, yeah, avoid everything from the Wall Street Journal because there's two different parts and they're doing things in different ways, which is, as you said, get different sources, look things up. Nothing amuses me more than to read stories about the same thing, you know, like the Breonna Taylor thing. You know what MSNBC and CNN had? I mean, they had the facts that were unequivocal, you know, the things that you can't really argue they had right. And then they had all of the spin added into it. You go someplace yeah. like Breitbart, they have the same facts that CNN had. But and their spin just goes the other way. Yes. I, I hope you're not going to claim that Breitbart doesn't spin things. Oh, they no, do, they do. But the spin goes the other way. Yeah. Well, that's how you find it where the middle is, because you have the far left, yeah. you have the far right. And, well, and it also helps to you know take okay what you need to pick out okay what facts are they giving me as opposed to opinion and uh what is directly related to the story for example i read one just this morning i don't remember exactly how it went but it was something to the effect of uh you know the the trump administration who has failed year after year to do and i'm like okay that right there that is bias dropped into the first sentence of the story because it is not a, a fact that is directly related to, you know, w- what actually happened this time around. And when you start putting in things like, you know, Trump, who has these, uh, another way that you can tell bias is, is when you see a lot of adverbs or adjectives, when uh, if you see the failing New York Times, then, OK, well, congratulations, you've got a story that is biased against the New York Times. Now, admittedly, they they might objectively be failing. But is that some, is that the description you need to put into your story? Or are you just injecting bias? Well, that is the question. One of the, what's we have. This will be in the show notes. But the TechCrunch article on the whole FCC 230 thing was with absurd timing. FCC announces intention to revisit yep. Section 230. Right, right there. That there's a, an emotionally charged adjective, bias. Uh huh. It's like, and it's weird because then the article itself, this didn't seem to make sense because it says uh, FCC Chairman Pai has announced his intention to pursue a reform of Section 230, which, amongst other things, limits the liability of internet platforms or content they host. Uh, oh, commi- okay. Commissioner Rosen Rosen Warsel. Describe the timing as absurd. It's like, who's Commissioner Rosen Worsel? That's not a name I'm familiar <laughs> with, to be honest. Uh, who is he? Uh, Troll room. Do you know? I can look him up. But that's obviously where they pulled the absurd from. But putting that in the um, she's in the Federal Commu- uh, Communications Commission. So obviously, maybe the uh, commissioner of the FCC. Then what is what is Pi? Isn't he the uh, so many people um, in the FCC? I don't know. I uh, it it's probably best not to stare too deeply into the federal swamp, lest it stare back into you. Yes, it's, it might start looking for. That's what somebody was like. Oh, did you get uh, that was Blitz this morning. Like, hey, you've been uh, you've been uh, canceled. You've been whatever yet. I'm like, no, we're on the no agenda stream. Uh, <laughs> un- until that yeah. is taken down, we're good. We're not being. If, if we get canceled from the no agenda stream, then I've done something terribly wrong. Yes, or somebody got to you, man. Yeah. Which I'm not saying yeah. that there's not an amount of money that would do that. And it probably doesn't even have to be a lot of money. You're like, no, I, oh, like a, a few slabs of ribs and a case of beer. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I could I could probably name a number, but 
be like, you know, Grumpy Old Ben, we got a uh, hundred and two episodes. I think we're good. Yeah, we could just go under a uh, different name. That's fine. Yeah. Or, or Saroma <laughs> points out that Dame Pemrose could probably get the show canceled. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, with a knife. I, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. But you know, it depends on on what the cats have been whispering into her ear. <laughs> So have we beaten section 230 to a complete pulp? Is there any left? On the uh, no bone? more than no more than Trump has. Well, he wants, but you know, well, but he's yeah, pointing I'm, to this because he thinks it's an answer. And I don't necessarily believe it's an answer because what Trump, I believe, thinks he wants. And I believe what the conservatives want is social media not to censor conservative viewpoints. And they keep yeah. making the case that they're not doing that. But the evidence seems clear. And I know I may just be firmly in dimension A, but the evidence seems to be there. I I, I don't think that there's any reasonable objection to the idea that, yes, they are totally censoring. But, okay, Trump believes that these updates to Section 230 will make the social media companies play nice and it will change the rules a little bit and it will make them change how they behave but if you think they're suddenly going to be nice to him then you're not paying any attention no because there are so people that are willing to i mean they're going to the mat for this i mean the we didn't talk about it on the show the coinbase story where he had a bunch of like this is very similar to the thing rogan's dealing with over at spotify because the spotify employees are going all woke and they want to be able to take control of his show but and they want to have that coinbase yeah, that Coinbase one is a great story that actually gives me hope in humanity. But go on. Yes. The Coinbase CEO, there was he was having a similar thing. It sounded like where the employees were getting a little crazy about well, we, we don't want to do this. We want to have this code of conduct, this, this, this. And he's like, you know what? Sod off. Yeah. If you don't like it, take the package and you and, can leave. And he took exactly the right position to take, which is not don't be leftist. He said, don't bring your politics, which is the right way to go. Right. Because. The solution to a bunch of unhinged leftists trying to run your company is not bring in right wing people to counter them. Right. The solution is to get rid of everybody who doesn't have the capability of separating their personal politics from your company's core motivation, which should be making money for the company. Companies like Google, who have had the bring your whole self to work policy have been able to get away with just having the company run by a bunch of raging people who don't, they don't care about making money because Google got lightning in a bottle with their search and pays early on and have been, I'm sorry. And and Google pays their people way too well. Well, I I mean, that just makes me want to think about working there. And then I remember (laughs) what's there and I'm like, "Eh, no, but, uh, Google is is unique amongst corporations. Most corporations, the moment that their employees stop caring about creating quality products and start going off and doing things that don't make money, it causes the corporation to hurt. But Google has been unique for a decade in that they have been able to just print money left and right with search and advertising to the point where they can waste it on all sorts of useless crap and you have enough, you become saturated with money long enough, then eventually useless crap is going to be, we're going to turn to, Hey, let's, you know, run political campaigns using corporate money and think, you know, 
any company that cares about maximizing profit, which should be all corporations, uh, Google just happens to also be insulated by the fact most of their shareholders are employees or a lot of them. Uh, but any company that actually cares about maximizing profit, like corporations are supposed to, will never abide a bunch of virtue signaling political activists to drag your company into, you know, pushing Black Lives Matter or what other other political cause du jour. It, it, it you know, Nike. Nike should be making shoes. Why the hell are they coming out and creating Black Lives Matter shoes? If they had any competent analysts there who were watching their what they were doing, they would they'd stop that because they'd be like, this isn't making us money. Uh, you know, what's the most visible example so far? The NBA get woke, <laughs> go broke. Why? The NBA was like, well, we have a lot of people who really care about this and we care about it, too. And we have social justice idiots running our company all the way up to the CEO or whatever it is for the NBA. And we're going to just push the message out there. And for some reason, they turned off everybody on the right. They turned off everybody who just doesn't want politics in their basketball. Um, And then a few people came out and said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And they pissed off China, which was the only other place they were getting their money. And suddenly the NBA is turning around going, wait, why does nobody like us anymore? Yeah. Well, nobody likes you because you fucked up your product. You made your entire product useless and crappy by putting all of these political messages where there should just be basketball. You idiots. Yeah. Do you want to put this into perspective? The final game of the NBA playoffs last year. 17 million people watched the final game of the NBA playoffs this year with King LeBron, the superstar of all superstars playing on the court. I mean, he's, he's no Michael Jordan. I can tell you, I, yeah, I was going to say Michael Jordan would come up and fucking punch him in the nose. But yeah, yeah, he, this guy can't carry. If I can go back to a line that uh, Dave uh, Stewart said about, um, I think it was Jack McDowell or something on the Chicago White Sox back in the 80s. He couldn't carry his jockstrap. That is what I'll say to LeBron James in uh, comparison to Michael Jordan, because LeBron James on the court for the final game this year. Again, last year, 17 million people watched the final game this year. Five million. That yeah, is that's about five million more than should have. But I understand that a lot of people are dumb, but less than a third of what watched the year before. Now, that's a drop. I mean, we know it's a lot easier to yeah. maintain a fan than to make a new one. Yeah. Michael Jordan was so good a basketball player. They let him play pro baseball and he was decent. And they thought if he would just add a couple of years because baseball is not something that you can just, you know, be great at. It takes a little bit of that muscle memory and the practice and getting used to things. And just right out of the bat, right out of the gate, he was good enough to play in double A, which is like some people will be like, well, what's the big deal? It's like double A is really hard for, uh, for it, most it's people professional to- baseball. Yeah. And and if you've heard me talk about baseball, I've, I've pretty much given up on all of the, the major league stadiums. If I want to go watch professional baseball played by people who are getting paid to play the sport are pretty good, then minor league is an excellent experience. You are the, the prices are lower. You're closer to the field. You might have a chance of even seeing the players or making out what name is on their jersey. I, 
it's a better experience all around. Yeah. And you're not seeing people that are total slouches. They're still pretty damn good at playing baseball. Uh, my local single A there. There are some. Well, they're learning. They're youngsters in they single are. A. And, I, and then, yeah. Well, the, the stadium real close to here is single A. And we go down there for at least a couple games every year, except this year. And why would what happen um, this year? I I don't know. They they wanted me to put a fucking diaper on in order to walk in. The they stadium. weren't playing. No. They screwed all the minor league guys. There was no minor league baseball. That was the oh. horrible part about this. There were games down there. Might not have been a minor league team, but it was probably the major league team that had. <laughs> it could be. Well, they do. Yeah, well, they, that's they, how they, they might would, have a shot at filling that stadium. Yeah. Well, they, well, I don't think they were allowing people in, but that's what they were doing here was there's a, a suburban uh, park that is used for one of the minor league teams. And the White Sox, maybe the Cubs as well, they were using that because they have they had to have backup players because there was no minor yeah. leagues going on. So if somebody got hurt, you needed guys that were still ready to come up. So they had a certain amount of like the minor leaguers that were over there keeping in shape, more or less. Here's, Here, a- here's how I know the the minor league team here. They actually have a program where they reach out to the local community like so that when a minor leaguer, well, uh, not feed house. Yes. It's I'd never heard of that until I started watching minor league baseball is like they don't pay these people enough to get an apartment out here. And, you know, if somebody's just going to come up to the, you know, to a certain city to play minor league for for four months, um, they actually have a program where they're like, hey, if you want to house a baseball player for a little while here, you know, here's who to talk to. Yeah, it blew me away. I guess it makes sense, but. Yeah, they need some place to stay, especially in places like Seattle, Chicago, or where if the the rents are so damn yeah. high, where 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 the million dollar salaries that's just minimum wage, right? Yeah, see, there's a good line you could use that for uh, an intro here on Grumpy Old Benz. But I remember David Ortiz now that I've wasted it. One of one of the greatest <laughs> ball players in uh, our generation, anyway. Uh, his autobiography talked about that. You know, going to live with a family, especially coming out of the Dominican Republic, and that. There's a, you know, there's definitely a need for it. And it's definitely a part of the culture. And those guys are really putting in the work. If I can use a cliche, we take from the no agenda show and, uh, you know, they're trying to get to the major leagues, which is not easy. So support your local minor league teams when they come back next year. But what else do we have on the agenda for today? Um, I don't have much else unless you want to talk about the decline of Hollywood. Well, that's uh, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. I mean, I had a few different stories. I mean, we had the you may have had something on this, too, because I know you had talked about the online proctoring systems before. There was one of the uh, online proctor services called Proctor Track that had to disable their service after they were hacked. (laughs) Uh, I have had uh, a, a very long, deep dive into the online proctor services just floating from episode to episode for a while. I actually brought it out for the back to school and it's not back to school anymore because it's been a couple months. <laughs> right. But, and, you know, this is um, the interesting thing with the some of the schools doing the in-home schooling. You need a way to make sure those kids aren't going to cheat. And they're using services that are damn near creepy when you're dealing, especially with kids yeah. that are grammar school or high school age, because what these proctor services do is they have you turn your webcam on or whatever it is while you're taking a test. So somebody can watch the kids while they're taking the test like they would in a classroom, but you're not in a classroom. Oh, it goes beyond that. Most of these services are straight up malware. 
Well, they have to be because they have to be able to make sure you're not looking up crap in Google, right? Do do they? <laughs> well, do they? Is that how? I mean, <laughs> I, that's well, what okay. they want to do. So I I, I will absolutely uh, attack the principle of of why you need these proctor services. But I will start with if you are going to have your if, if your curriculum relies on the standard Prussian model that has been common for a hundred years where you go and you lecture at kids and you hope that they absorb some of it. And at the end you lock them in a room, you don't allow them to look at notes or anything and you expect them to write out all of their answers from memory. And that demonstrates how much of your lectures have been absorbed. Then you try to take that classroom and move it online, you are going to have problems. And that is what these online proctors are designed to solve. Right. Is the idea that if you want to take your standard test of everybody has to do the test from memory without any outside help and will determine how much of my boring ass lectures ended up floating into your brain. That That's what these are trying to solve is trying to keep an outdated crappy ass schooling model alive in an age where everybody is no longer in a physical school. It is so absurd on its face because the, first of all, that's not a good way to learn. No matter what it is, is boring lectures that people have to just sit there and pay attention to. And then try to demonstrate at the end, how much of it you've wrote memorized. There is nowhere in the normal world where that is a skill that is necessary. It, it, there's, you know, you might have to memorize a couple of tables or something in order to enter them as part of a, a an office job. But there is nowhere where your entire job is. I'm going to memorize a ton of facts and then spout some of them back. That No, well, this is just a way to see if the kids did their homework, right? Did you read no, the chapter? No, actually, it's a way to generate a, an ABCDF grade for each kid and then draw a paycheck at the end. Yeah, that's not a good that's, idea. Um, it's, it's terrible. It's always been terrible. And moving to the online world is highlighting how terrible it is in, in the real world. You know, it, I took classes in college where uh, the old style classes, they would absolutely, they would give me you know, here is all the keywords from this programming language. And then they would quiz me on the keywords. Well, excuse me. You know, they'd be like, or, or there'd be a test where they'd say, you know, please explain why you would use this versus this at every programming problem I have ever encountered since I left college. I have had my code editor on one screen and stack overflow on the other or Google or some reference. The idea that you would ever need to do anything in the real world without being allowed to go look something up on Google is ridiculous in the modern age. All tests should be open notes. All tests should be open search engine. And yeah, that makes writing the test harder. But that's why we pay our teachers the big bucks to teach our kids, not just test them. It doesn't make writing the test harder. It makes grading them harder. Yeah, 
Because then well, you, have to, you have to grading them is, is a lot harder if you write a bad test. Well, yeah, but if you have to understand that they grasp the knowledge of what you were giving them, it's way easier if you could just be like A, B, C or D. Not like, so explain to me this. The, the proper solution to moving test taking into the world where apparently where nobody is allowed to go to a physical school anymore, which. Oh, and by the way, if if all these fucking school districts are not going to be using their physical buildings. Um, there are mil- literally millions of kids on waiting lists for charter schools. And the biggest thing the charter schools are, are not able to meet the demand is because they don't have physical facilities. And if all of these school districts are going to leave their buildings completely empty, let a fucking charter school go in there and actually teach kids instead of whatever this thing is that the public school districts are failing at. But anyway, um, so these online proctor things are designed with the assumption that we have to teach our kids in the old style and we have to prevent them from using notes or cheating. And so I, I think I've already demonstrated my opinion that the, the correct way to do this is to make your tests open note, make them make it, you know, give, give a timed test where people are allowed to use whatever resources they have. Cause that by the way, is how it works in the real world. Well, or just have the kids uh, do an oral thing where you can just be like, okay, tell me about this. And then they can just talk. I, that could work too. I mean, that takes even more time from the teacher. This, but- uh, the proctor track though being hacked students began receiving emails sent by the hacker from the verification support account. The email contained racial slurs and falsely stated that the company and proctor track were ceasing their operations. This was my favorite part to add further damage. The hackers trolled Verificient by defacing their company website <laughs> to display the Rick Astley video. Never going to give you up. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I well, uh, let it never be said that all the hackers have, have professional <laughs> sensibilities. Yes. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's how you know you've been hacked. If the Rick Astley video for never going to give you up, if that shows up, you got better call your IT guy. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that video, you know what? Rick Astley became a lot more popular once people started trolling each other than he ever was back in the <laughs> 80s. Well, yeah, some of those songs just work, though, you know, for the little memes, even though all of these, uh, you know, countries and stuff are trying to make it you know illegal and all this stuff with the memes and that's the one place i'll agree with you on the copyright thing which is you know if somebody takes one you know capture from a movie and adds text over it to make it funny and they're like no you can't do that it's like no no that's fair use i mean i'm not you shouldn't be allowed to go reproduce the movie but it really is fair use it's uh adding text over it is both diminutive and anyway, yeah. Tell that to the EU, those bastards. CS, CSB always says the EU is good. I don't think they are. I think well, the EU the, is the, evil, CSB. The EU doesn't use the American Copyright Act with its concepts of fair use. So. No, that's that's true. But I'm sure you have another rant. So, Do you have another rant about something? Uh, well, um, I as long as we're here, I'm going to go through my notes on this. The 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 Proctor software is I want to. I want to describe exactly what kind of software we're, we're going through and why when I researched this, I could not stop writing notes and I could not I, go without a, a massive rant against these things. So it was because so, it angered you on grumpy old Ben's 58. I introduced some of these things. I introduced the 
Proctorio, Examity, and ProctorU. Well, there's a few others that have popped up too. Uh, one of the real winners here is something called Honor Lock, um, which the the name itself is pretentious, but um, <laughs> sounds like it. It is, as far as I can tell, it's a Chrome extension, but you have to install it and you have to um, add some other software with it. Um, but because I don't know how a Chrome extension alone can do the following. Uh, when you launch a test, it will force close all other programs on your system. By the way, that includes Zoom, just in case you were doing the the whole classroom thing. Um, but the not only their thing, own Proctor software. No, no. The only thing that you're allowed to leave open is the Proctor software. Uh, it doesn't let you reopen any of them. So automatically, we're we're talking malware here because when you try to launch another program, it immediately kills it before it can even get a window up. Um, it streams your webcam directly to the proctors of whoever's uh, administering the test. Um, it edits the registry. It uh, it has code that, by the way, in case you think you can protect yourself, it adds code that detects whether or not you're in a virtual machine <laughs> and will refuse to launch. So no VM for you. Um, th- this is one of the more egregious things to me. Apparently, it only works on Chrome. That a lot of people are probably okay with that. I'm not. Um, and uh, let's see. They have. Uh, oh, here's <laughs> here's a fun one. They have a patent for detecting cheaters and who are Googling answers. Uh, because even if you completely malware the fuck out of the main system, a lot of people have another system usually on the table next to him. Right. Uh, the phone. Right. Any kind well, of tablet. <laughs> yeah. A tablet, anything. So a lot of people have that, uh, you know, by the way, they, they try to prevent that by having your webcam on. We talked about this on, on, you know, show 58 where they will require you, you know, a proctor is now looking through your webcam, which is required to be looking at you. You can't start the test without grabbing the webcam and doing a 360 degree spin around the room just so they can see everything in the room. Um, they need to see your desk space to point it at, you know, just in case there's another computer, they can't have that there. Um, you are supposed to have your phones put away entirely, but people will storm in a pocket or whatever. So, just in case somebody is trying to Google the answers on their phone while taking the test, because you can, you know, you can even keep your eyes mostly down on what you're working on and kind of move the phone off the side or so they, so they've got a, a fix for this too. And what that is, is they use questions from the test to generate and host fake answers as a honeypot. <laughs> and then they SEO the shit out of it. So the fake answers pop up first. No. And then. When somebody gets their fake answer, um, they will take the IP from that and detect whether that device has the same IP as somebody being tested. <laughs> um, they say that they watermark the test questions with special answers. So uh, apparently one of the ways that people uh, that students have already found to get around this uh, is that you instead you don't copy and paste the question from the test. You type it in over again because what they'll have is if you copy and paste, it will copy and paste certain like special characters or things right out of the test that that's how they SEO it. So that, you know, this particular one phrase this way with these special characters pops up in their Google search results. 
But if you test it separately, like how do I do blah that anyways. Right. So this is malware. Well, obviously. Um, let's see. Uh, another another piece of software that people complain about is the Respondus Lockdown browser, which is actually a separate browser. It's, I believe, a fork of Chrome. Um, it does the same sort of thing where it kills all other programs. Uh, it uses fac- facial recognition to see that there is a face in the frame in the security <laughs> check before the test. Uh, you have to show your student ID. You have to show the room with the camera. You have to record yourself talking so that you know it isn't someone else that looks exactly like you taking the test. They monitor your voice using AI during the test to see if it changes. Um, well, or for, uh, or for if, you to ask somebody point, behind the camera what the answer is. If at any point uh, the your face is no longer in the camera, like even if you just drop your webcam, it will stop the test and make you start over. Um, let's see. Uh, some universities uh going on I'm, i i got i got a lot of this from uh well from a reddit thread because it was a crap ton of people reddit is is full of college students people who are complaining about these things so i got some really great complaints like a university that limits you to only one mac address allowed to connect to the university network at a time to try to prevent people from cheating with secondary devices um the let's see uh oh one one comment uh let's see chromebooks if, if you have a chromebook at at school uh it can't run the lockdown browser or it doesn't have a registry and therefore a lot of university it departments are now loaning out laptops to take tests <laughs> that, well, that's um, true let's see uh one comment that i really liked was uh some colleges are not allowing uh webcams to be required because uh, if people see a hotel room instead of a dorm room, then that suggests they're in quarantine, which means they're a COVID case and the university has violated HIPAA. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an interesting way to look I at thought that, that one. Was, I thought that was a really interesting point. So I just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Depending so, on where you are or, you know, in, in the hospital room or, you know, you're because really you could do that from the hospital if you're recovering from covid or something yeah. else you could still take a test so the recommendations that i got out of the uh thing is uh if you are at college never admit that you own a computer because they'll force you <laughs> to install malware on it instead force them to provide you a computer for test taking yeah that seems um, to be the more yeah that would make more and sense then, uh one of the more outlandish recommendations from the thread was uh uh, if you want out of the tests, just tell the Karens that those pedo teachers are spying on their kids. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> seen that. That's, you know, there's uh, uh, multiple times you've seen it make the news once these Zoom calls, you know, not necessarily the Proctor stuff, but these Zoom calls or whatever. It doesn't matter that what platform they're using with these virtual classes where the teacher can see the student. There's been multiple time. You know, like mom or dad walks behind them naked, getting dressed because the kids are using the computer in the parents' room or something, and it's like, um, yeah, there. Well, there. Have, I mean, there have been uh, widely publicized stories of, uh, uh, like one student in I want to say Houston who was uh, suspended from school because his little brother walked through the frame in the background carrying a BB gun. <laughs> well, that's and that's dangerous. And the administrator said, well, we have to suspend them because of zero tolerance, because 
uh, the virtual classroom is an extension of the real classroom and we don't allow guns on school grounds. You're like, but they're not on school grounds. I, well, they, yes, but zero tolerance is, is a, anytime that you hear a school administrator talking about zero tolerance, what you're really hearing them say is, I don't want to apply any thinking skills and therefore I'm just going to quote some kind of rote policy because that keeps me the safest in my job and makes sure that I can't be criticized for making an actual decision like I've been hired to do. So now I know what I would do or what a young Bemrose would do if you sit down and you're really not feeling like school and the teacher comes on and there starts going into a really boring lecture about something. You just pull the BB gun off your, the counter and you hold it up and go, am I suspended? <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I, I might. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I goaded people into throwing things at me when I was bored in class. Yeah, I could see that. I can I can definitely see that. I don't you know, I, I feel sorry for the teachers that have to deal with this. I feel very sorry for the students that have to deal with this kind of stuff. I mean, I understand it's making everything way more difficult than it would have to be. And this proctoring stuff just really sheds the light on the fact that uh, everybody has to be assumed that they're cheats. That's the See, what, what it sheds light on the fact for me is that teachers are lazy and curriculums are not teaching students anymore because the Prussian system is designed to churn out factory workers, not thinkers. And anybody who uses this stuff is doing a piss poor job at preventing and presenting information and is giving you information that a student who wants to learn can get on the first day by going and getting the textbook and reading it. Which was always the best thing to do. I love those courses where you knew they gave you the syllabus and it was all directly out of the book. And I mean, I had classes at DePaul where, you know, it was like an eight week class, showed up day one, get the syllabus, figure out what's going on, show up for the midterm, show up for the final, give the final paper, boom, done. Yeah, I had one of those. It was uh, an abstract algebra class where um, I ended up getting a B minus in the class because I was using that technique and I show up on the day of the midterm and the teacher starts handing them back. <laughs> you're like, wait, because, no, your syllabus because it said- had been moved. It had been moved and was not on the day in the syllabus anymore. It was, and they had announced in lecture that the date of the midterm had moved. You're like, but why, why would I show up to your lecture? Well, was there, it, was there an argument about I, this? I, I also, that might've been the same semester when I, I ended up, a, stu- a teacher was saying, well, we've noticed that you're, uh, you know, you're not paying attention much in class lately. Is, or is this a problem? And, and I ended me. up like by that point I had, it, it was like an 8, 15 AM class. And the professor had such a boring droning voice and I was falling asleep in class. And um, he, he was saying stuff, you know, like I, 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 are you okay? Are you getting this? Because if, if you don't want to pay attention to my class, then, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be sleeping in the class. You should be paying on it. And I ended up getting annoyed with him. And I asked him to his face after class. I said, okay, which he, he, oh, he used the line. You're not respecting me or this university. And I said, okay, which one shows more, less disrespect skipping your class or falling asleep in it. (laughs) That's an interesting uh, conundrum there. Did he did he go with the latter or the former? I am pretty sure he probably pulled out something about you should just pay attention or something. Get the hell out of my classroom. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's see. The the Reddit thread actually had also, I wasn't able to confirm this with any stories, but uh, there was rumors that um, some of these proctoring softwares are actually bricking computers. Oh, now that um, adds an interesting aspect to the story. Now, no, the what what I didn't have time to do when I was researching this, and of course, you know, then totally dropped the ball, is finding out uh, the place to confirm that would be computer shops or or places where they fix computers. Right. Wherever they ho- took uh, Hunter Biden's computer. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but honestly, if something is going to go in and start screwing with the operating system that badly, it wouldn't surprise me if they're making if, if they're breaking something. Uh, I mean, they were talking about it just wouldn't load up. Well, yeah, because if they're doing so much to where they're keeping other things from being able to open, and it's an intriguing thing because I understand you could probably fairly easily make the program that you have open with Chrome or whatever it is, be forcing it on top. And that would make sense. But now if you have two or three monitors, that starts getting a little more difficult to actually keep things from opening. You know, and uh, depending what they're using to do this, I can see, as you talked about multiple times when we dealt with anti-malware, antivirus, these things have to have such permissions at such low levels, you know, maybe kernel level, that if you are going to have that and there's an error in that software, then that's going to cause the biggest problems. Because the last thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just because it has those permissions. The last thing I had on the the test taking software is a, a law that I had never heard of. So there's a legal angle to this. And uh, have you ever heard of a law called FERPA? No, but F-E-R-P-A. Does it make you angry? It A little bit. OK, so um, then I, I, let me just say. Hit me with a BEMRIT. <laughs> um, not so much, really. This is more a, a response to the a, a concern with these. Uh, online proctoring stuff not so much in college because it only affects people under 18 but um it is it is kind of a cross between coppa and hipaa but with respect to school records um it is a law that says that a parent can inspect a child's education records uh a parent is uh has a right for example to sit in on a classroom a physical classroom which by the way, makes it hilarious that some of these schools were trying to keep people out of virtual classrooms. Right. Don't record. Well, you can't stop them. Yeah. Uh, it's not legal to try to stop them. Um, a parent uh, effectively owns a child's education records, which includes grades, uh, disciplinary, et cetera, whatever. You know, whenever they say this is going on your permanent record, this, I guess, is the permanent record. A uh, parent can request a school correct inaccurate records. Um, if the school refuses, they can request a formal hearing with the school board um schools need written permission to release information um it's it yeah it covers grades behavior and schoolwork um and schools may disclose directory information only which by the way directory information includes name address phone number date of place and birth honors and awards and attendance record which is enough for identity theft so don't know how many how much teeth this law has but the interesting thing about it is uh, there is an argument to be made that uh, as given that it includes grades and schoolwork that um, these online test taking uh, companies who are incredible privacy invasions, having to install this crap, having to point a webcam at everything in your room, that sort of thing, 
Um, no testing naked. Well, I would. Fuck yeah, I would. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you get back of these proctoring companies. And, and again, just like the poor guy that was doing the political action stuff by texting you, the proctoring people would be like, "Dude, I'm just doing a job. Yeah, would you please no. put a shirt on?" Yeah, there's some jobs that shouldn't be done, and people <laughs> need to be. I, I, you can't hold blameless. I, I don't hold blameless telemarketers who are like, I'm just doing a job. I'm like, no, you're fucking interrupting my dinner. True. That I won't argue but with. Anyways, there is an argument to be made. And I, I, I read about this for law, which is uh, it, it was new to me. So I took notes, but um, that some of these online proctoring, if used for kids under 18, uh, that the online proctoring software probably violates FERPA by disclosing the wrong kind of information. I think that, uh, you know, obviously nothing's going to happen unless a lawyer gets involved, but I think that a motivated lawyer could probably bring a case against some of these guys for, uh, violating, uh, for leaking the student records or whatever that might be without permission. That would make sense. This is, this is the world we're living in. Now things are getting a little bit more complex. When everything is getting intertwined with the Internet and people want to make the case that the Internet isn't the public square and people like Twitter, Facebook shouldn't be you know, held responsible for the things they want to show and what they won't want to show. The same thing is these same types of companies are now ingrained between your the teacher of your kid and your kid. And that's going to get some dangerous stuff. That's some dangerous precedents that are being started, I would think. But we can close that. You, then. you would think. I would uh, I, yep. You just got hit with a Bem rant. You know what? I like this show better when we didn't have a soundboard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Carolyn sent that. I figured I would at least let everybody hear that. I, yeah. I do appreciate Carolyn. Carolyn is indeed an expert, and we absolutely appreciate all of, all of our experts here on Grumpy Old Benz. We enjoy people that support the show in a variety of ways, including Fletcher with the new intro that you complained about. Uh, Carolyn sending some audio clips that you complained about. But we understand when you come to Grumpy Old Benz, I'm the nice if guy. If I wasn't complaining, you would wonder who the guest host was. Yes. Would. What did you do with Ryan? Where is he? I don't. I don't have his camera turned on anymore. My proctoring software crashed. I can't see what he's doing. But we do have um, two donations for today, but only one expert. Oh, hit me with an expert. <laughs> They're both Harry Hamster. And uh, Harry, uh, he, he, there was a pithy comment that he made something about loving us both. And uh, we appreciate it, Harry. The, uh, we, we're, we're on a down slide now after. 100 a lot of people came in for 100 and they're like 102 i mean they were really hyped that we got to 100 the donations were running in big they're like oh 102 these these guys are still doing a show um i don't know maybe were, were we supposed to stop at 100 i'm not sure maybe did you leave for the bathroom again this is why the donations are down they know that the uh the bemrose content we need more donations we need more experts so Ryan can get his bladder problem dealt with on a professional level. I think that's the only way. Love you like a rock, Harry Hamster said. Now, do you mean that we are like a rock? So you love us as much as you love a rock? Or are you saying that you're like a rock when you love us? I'm not really sure. And I don't know if I want to know that maybe 
disturbing on a whole bunch of different levels. But we appreciate it, Harry Hamster. And if you want to become an expert, it's easy to do so. You can go to grumpyoldbens.com, click on that donate button, use the QR code if you want to do the Bitcoin thing, like our buddy uh, CSB likes to do, and Sir Spencer and Duodenum. We the, 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 those are the ones that stick out now for some reason. Those Bitcoin ones, and I I need to get a hardware wallet. See, everybody was always telling me to get off of Coinbase, but now I kind of like Coinbase because their CEO is like, <laughs> "Screw you, social justice warrior people." I- I kind of want to work at Coinbase now. <laughs> yes, it seems like they're the kind of people that we may dig. And uh, the the P.O. Box address as well over on GrumpyOldBenz.com. And we appreciate everybody who donates, becomes an expert, sends us links to stories that you think we should be carrying, uh, people that have all sorts of different ideas. Like I said, Fletch, I dig the intro. Maybe we need to cut it down a few seconds, but we can always edit that. But I, I like the concept and I like the fletcher yell just to be clear you're talking about the intro you're not planning on cutting fletcher down no no we wouldn't want to do that that would be uh you know that would be rude and that's all that only happens on hog story that's a different show it's a different concept if you want to check that out you can do so people are never rude on this show right to never you can go to hogstory.net and check that out it's uh twice weekly now with the lovely and talented carolyn blaney and john fletcher yeah they they went twice weekly because they wanted to catch up with us. I thought we went twice weekly to catch up to them. It's confusing. It's one of those things. Yes. You have anything we're, else? We're gaining on them. Yeah, we are. We're, I got nothing. That's wouldn't be the first time. But with that nope. said, then I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather's getting cold. So I hope the bullets keep flying. And from America's left coast. We're agreeing with the schools, the media, the banks, the unions, the government, the social networks, the retailers, the universities, and the advertisers somehow makes you counterculture. I'm Ryan Bemrose. More than you ever talk. (laughs) 